Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody today. Tell them you're glad to see them. Amen. Amen. It is so good to see all of you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We, uh, we're glad for your faithfulness, folks. You've been praying for us. You've been coming. You've been giving. Thank you for the regular offerings uh, for the general fund and for missions. All those missionaries out there, thank you so very much. And in heaven, there'll be souls there because you were faithful. You prayed. You gave. You've done what you can. And that's what God expects. Now, we have the love offering envelopes. This is kind of a bubble Sunday today because we're closing out that special offering we've given for March and April for the Zix, Z-I-C-K. Just give what you can, and that will help them with supplemental support. We purchased them a tent when the tornado took the tent and left all the materials untouched. A miracle. A miracle. A demonstration of God's preservation. So you can do that today. But it's a bubble Sunday because as the last Sunday of this month, now through the last Sunday of next month, May, so for a total of, I guess, six Sundays, we're going to be receiving a very special offering. Let me describe it to you. And I want all of the folks out there that are viewing to take this in. I want you to pray about it because you may have some of God's money that you would like to share in a very worthy project. We have seen by the faithfulness of God and His people a number of church buildings put up by your giving across the world. In central India, in central India, it's now, it's now nighttime, but in central India today, today I believe some folks went out to a building and they met with God, they met with Jesus, and that building was put up by your giving. It's the Central Baptist Church in, in, in the middle of India. Amazing. I could have never done it, you could have never done it, but God did it. God did it. God did it. There's, there's a faithful minister and his family in Ghana, West Africa, and your giving enabled them to do the building that they've done. All across the, the world, there are places where we have contributed, but we have contributed substantially the lion's share for some of these. I want to tell you about a missionary that we have supported for many years. He broke a leg 18 months ago, and it's still mending while he serves. Had a broken leg for 18 months. I'd say that's a faithful man of God. The whole family has been challenged in various ways in the climate where they are with various issues that they have faced. I'm talking about Brother Jerry Daniels and his wife out in Kenya, Africa. And I want you to know that they have been faithful for years and years and years and years and years in serving God, winning souls, building a work for God. Now he's putting up a building. And they called me a couple weeks ago. They texted and uh, they, they emailed, and I, I said, well, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Got another phone call, and I, I said, we'll do what we can, we'll do what we can, do what we can. Put the phone down. Had a talk with my father. I'm talking about my heavenly father. 
And in my spirit, he said, it's going to be all right. I don't know what you take that to mean, but I think we ought to do what we can do. I think we ought to put up a building in Kenya, Africa. And I said, you've got to send pictures. You've got to send pictures. So we're going to have some pictures available. So I have in my pocket the first offering that's going into that offering today. We're going to put up a building, Lord willing, by the grace of God, by His grace and for His glory. I don't know if, 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 you, if you gave $10,000 out of your pocket, you'd steal the blessing from everybody else. But if you got $10,000, then go ahead. It's going to take about $9,000. You say, preacher, have we got $9,000? No, but God has it. God's got it. And we're going to give what we can. And then when we go offline, we're going to have a little, little business meeting and talk about what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. But I, I tell you what I'm going to do. As for me and for my house, we're going to give today. We're going to give something substantial. How about you? And think about it. Pray about it. This week, next week, maybe you get paid next week or whatever. Something. Let's put up a building in Kenya. Let's, let's raise up a building to the glory of God. Let's point at it and say, God did that. God let me be a part of that, but God did that. Amen. I told you it was going to be exciting. I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited. I'm excited today. I'm excited because of what is going to happen. Now we got other announcements we're going to make. You out there, they're listening in. I hope you'll catch the vision. I hope that you'll be part of this. And let's, let's do something great. God is great. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. He's got it all. There's nothing that God can't afford. There's nothing that God can't do. He can do it. He can do it. Amen and amen. So I want to thank you in advance for what you are going to do based on what you've done in the past. Now, coming up in the days ahead, we're going to have a virtual faithful men's meeting a week from Monday night. That's the, the 3rd of May at 7.30. All of the men and the faithful men, uh, please sign on and be part of that meeting that we're going to have on Monday, May 3rd. There's nothing wrong. There's no problem there's not a whole lot of new news, but we are going to keep you posted. It's been about a quarter since we had our last virtual. And uh, then coming up in May, a lot of special days, but uh, May 9th, the second Sunday in May, that's three weeks out, is Mother's Day. And we want to honor all the mothers, and we want to give something to all the ladies who are present. And so we're going to talk more about that, but I'd like you to write a tribute and give it to me. Don't make it Real long, but write out a poem, a tribute or something, and give it to me. And do it now, I'm not, not this minute, but do it today or do it this week so that I have it in advance so that we can use it and praise God for that. Thank you so very much. I appreciate everybody's part in making things go around here in such a wonderful manner. All right, I'm going to just share one more thing with you before we get to preaching it's amazing. They say that lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. That's not true. If you've been around any place where lightning struck twice, you know it's not true. But they say that's just an old saying. Lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. Well, it does. You know that, that several months ago I told you about that. Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to see how much money we're talking about. Uh, let's see. $16 million 
because I supposedly had a relative by the last name of Winnegar that died, and I got one of those scam letters. I got another one. Supposedly, I didn't just have Charles Winnegar, who was a multi-millionaire, but now Arthur Winnegar. Boy, those Winnegar. I, I didn't know any of these people in life. Now, they don't actually exist. This is a scam. They want your banking information. But I want to tell you, Brandon, twice lightning has struck here. And uh, last time it was Charles Winnegar and $9 million. This is now Arthur Winnegar. He was a little better off. $16,950,777. It's not an even amount, of course. And that makes it much more legitimate. All right. Do I ever hope to be rich? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. After all, I'm a child of the king. Hold on. Amen. I'm a child of the king. I'm part of spiritual royalty. And uh, we have uh, so much to look forward to with Jesus. But right now, we have both blessings, that is privileges, and we have responsibilities, duties, as a child of the king, as spiritual royalty. You say, who's spiritual royalty? Any of those people I described at the beginning. Now, I'm not talking about the royal family in England. There's a lot of attention. I, for, for, being, for having fought a revolution to be free of England, there's an awful lot of attention being given to, to the royal family in England. Every time... I go to the supermarket to buy something. There's that talking about this royal or that royal or that royal. And I don't know why it's anybody's business to begin with. But I know they have their scandals. But royalty means much more than that. So let's, let's just move on for just a moment. We've all heard about the pretenders, those who said they were royalty. You remember, uh, sadly, the Russian uh, royal family, the Romanovs, were overthrown and were in exile, and Tsar Nicholas and his family were executed in 1918. The Bolsheviks, of course, took over. And there were those who claimed to be the surviving descendants of Nicholas, Tsar Nicholas II. There was Alexei, there was Olga, there was uh, Tatiana, there was Maria, and there was, most famous, Anastasia. The problem is, none of them existed. They were all pretenders. They were phonies. But uh, they claimed to be royalty and all that goes with it. There is in the United States and in the United Kingdom an organization called the Romanoff whatever society, and these are cousins and second cousins and third cousins and grandnephews and so forth of that family, and I don't know what they plan to do because I've done a little business with the people in Russia. They don't plan to give the country back to them, but they have their organization. And there are many places like that where there is royalty or there are... Uh, those from royal backgrounds in exile. And we are royalty. And we are in exile. Who's royalty? Well, I'll tell you who royalty is. Royalty, if, if, if I make another trip to the Philippines, like I did back in the 1980s, and I preach, and God bless it like He did in the 1980s, there'll be lots of, of men, women, uh, teenagers, boys, and girls that will instantly become royalty. And some of those people live in, in nice places, but some of those people live in abject poverty. And so some little kid on the street in Metro Manila is royalty, but he's spiritual royalty. And he's in exile because he's not at home in this world. Why? In fact, our citizenship is in heaven. We don't belong here. We are pilgrims. That's what Peter calls us. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. 
in this world. Don't get your roots down too deep. Don't get too accustomed to this world. We're not here for long. Say, well, when are we going? Well, if Jesus comes first, every born-again child of God who is spiritual royalty is going to be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Praise Jesus. We're going to be transformed. Until that time, one by one, one by one, we're going to be going, not raptured, but we'll go by the grave and our spirit will go to be with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. There's no question about that. And I can't tell you when your time is. I can't tell you when my time is. I, even those who attempt to take their own life don't always succeed. So, I mean, I can't tell you when that time is. I, I can only tell you this. If you know Jesus as your Savior, your spiritual royalty, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you look like me, or if you look like Brother Harps. doesn't matter. If you look like Brother Salgado, doesn't matter. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Now, we add an extra one in there now. We say red and yellow, black and white, but we put brown or tan in there. So we go red, tan, yellow, black and white, all is precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's absolutely true. That's true here at Central Baptist, that's true for the family of God. Absolutely. doesn't matter what our background is, what our color is, what our language is, what our culture is. doesn't matter. Those people are telling me that I can't help but be a racist because I was born this color. They're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. You don't, listen, I'm saying to all of you out there, you don't get to change the dictionary and insert your own meanings. I am not a racist because I've worn this color. I am not a racist. Now, you might be one if you call me one. I don't know. I haven't figured that one out yet. That's kind of a conundrum. But I'm telling you that with the Lord Jesus, there is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what your color is. He doesn't care what your language is. He doesn't care what part of the world you came from. That little Filipino boy is royalty. This, this little armor-wearing seven-year-old white boy, he's a child of the king. I'm telling you, uh, in far-off China where we ministered, we went through some places, very nice places, went through some very, some very backward places, little hovels as well. Anybody who comes to God in Christ, right now there are underground, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches gathering over there in China, and they are as much royalty as we are. Been to Mexico, preached in Mexico, preached down in Baja. I was the fifth preacher, Henry. They had five scheduled. I was the fifth. And they were all supposed to go about 30, 40 minutes. They all went an hour ahead of me. So they'd been sitting there for four hours. Now they were making the tortillas and the and the you know and the all the food and, and the Smell was wafting up and everybody in the congregation was smelling the food and I was waiting to preach. Everybody else had preached for an hour. They took my time. But anyway, I, pre I preached in Baja. We won souls in Baja. Now listen, those, those, those folks young and old in Baja, the, the lady on the street making the tortillas, you know, if they know Jesus, they're royalty. They are spiritual royalty. Everybody who comes on a bus, they come and get saved they know Jesus, they walk down an aisle, they are royalty. Anybody who comes in here, great or small, 
uh, important in the eyes world, uh, the eyes of the world, or or unfamiliar as far as they are concerned. It doesn't matter. God knows them. God knows their name. God knows who they are. They are royalty. There it is. There it is. And over in India, when they met today, royalty. And there in Africa, where we're going to, by the grace of God, build a building. Royalty. Spiritual royalty. Praise the Lord. The scripture I read to you out of Psalm 113, that he may set him with princes. We have such spiritual privileges. We don't deserve any of those. We don't deserve those spiritual privileges. But we've been made brand new. Anybody receives Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. New. Brand new. And so what happens then? We have the earnest of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and He speaks to us. And so we, we hear from the Lord. He speaks to us. When I read the Bible, He speaks to my heart. He says, that's for us. That's for us. Praise God. It says in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14, Romans 8 and verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Children of God. That's what we are. We are children of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, help me, Daddy. Help me, Daddy. Earlier on in the ministry, our boys, when they were just young elementary age they would be in our Christian school but if they they had leave if they had opportunity to do so they would come and knock on the door and they would come on in now any other time if you come to my office you're in trouble but they were just coming because they wanted to be with daddy other people might have to get an appointment they might have to arrange but they could come and see me anytime and the reason is because I'm daddy that's it and we have a spiritual father just like that. We can come into his presence anytime. We ought to come into his presence with singing. We ought to come into his presence with rejoicing. And thank God I'm, I'm on two feet. I'm upright. Amen. Some of you drive by when Sammy, who is our, how old is he now, 10? 10. Sammy, been training him to box. Now, you ladies don't like this, just shut it down. Put your earplugs in. But for the rest of you, I've been training him to box. And he's got headgear and he's got gloves and I've, I don't have headgear, that explains a lot, but uh, I've got gloves, and we get out in the front yard, and we box, and I've taught them how to stand, and I've taught them how to cover, and I, I've taught, and we go, we'll go, we'll go, you know, so many rounds, we went six, went six rounds last week, got a little bit late this week, so we just went three rounds, and we're out there in the front yard, people go by, they honk the horn, I don't know if they like to see me training my grandson in boxing, or if they think I'm picking on the kid, or they're going to turn Sam in for, you know, elder abuse. I'm not sure what it is. But we're out there, and, and we're, we're doing it. And I say, okay, now, Sam, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. All right, now listen. If I come in like George Foreman, like this, and I come over top with the right hand, what do you do? And he says, I hit you with an uppercut right there. He knows exactly what to do. I said, if I start backpedaling like Muhammad Ali, where do you hit? He says, you hit where you're going to be. Boom. Right like that. Gone, man. Gone. He rocked me a couple times, didn't he? He rocked me a couple of times. Now, I'm going to say this. I don't know if she's going to be watching, but our daughter-in-law, Callie, said, Sam, I'll give you $10 if you mess up his hair. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm taking that personally. So, 
He's, he's, learning, he's learning the ropes. He's becoming adept. And his daddy says to him appropriately after it's all over with, our son Brad says to him, now, now, now Sam, now you'll know what to do in case a big bully comes at you and, and tries to do whatever, whatever, whatever. So I don't know if he's likening me to a bully or what, but anyhow, he's all, he's all prepped. He's all prepped. And the Lord is giving us everything we need, all the wherewithal, all the provision, all the protection, because He's our Daddy. He's looking after us. Praise God for that. Alright, so there we go. The Spirit itself, that's the Holy Spirit, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know inside right now, if you're a child of God, if you've been saved, you think back to a time and a place when you prayed and you asked Jesus Christ into your life. You say, I'm sorry for my sins. I want you to save me. Take away my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. I want Jesus to come into my heart. And when you say that, by faith, guess what? God does what He says He's going to do in the Word of God. Salvation is the person of Jesus Christ in your life and in mine. And if children were then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Now that's a double blessing. Because not only are we heirs of what God wants to give us in terms of what He provides here and what we're going to have for all eternity there, but also we are joint heirs with Christ. That means everything that Jesus Christ gets, we get. Everything that He's got coming, we get. And why not? When God looks at us spiritually, He sees Jesus Christ. He looks at you and me through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad. I know I'm not perfect. I know I sin every day and I need to pray to restore fellowship. But I know this. My relationship with God through Jesus Christ will never, 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 never change. I'm saved. Praise God. And He did all the saving. Amen. Join heirs. Jump down to um, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gives us everything we need. I'm telling you, everything we need. We are children of God. We are children of God. And we're going to talk more about that, but let's pray and ask God to guide us into this passage of Scripture which we have as our text. Father, I pray that you'll help us now. Lord, I want to say the things that are right. I want to be a help to people. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By first birth, I am a Winnegar. I was born into the Winnegar family. was not switched at birth. I am by DNA, and, and I can tell by resemblance and by... Uh, so many characteristics of Winnegar, full-blown. We have many preachers in our family. And uh, Bro Brother Hiles used to say, the poor and the Winnegars we have with us always. So there's a lot of us. Johnny Pope has referred to the Winnegar family as fundamentalist royalty. I don't know if we live up to that. I don't know what he meant by that, but he said that. And that is because our family displays certain characteristics. So does yours. My family has certain peculiarities, probably, you know, Makes people smile. Maybe yours do as well. There are many adjectives to describe our families, but our family is corporately together. It is part of the same entity. And for me to take somebody into my family, I would have to legally do so. And if you've ever adopted, you know what I'm talking about. And it's a precious thing. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. I wish, I wish there would not be one aborted child from this moment on. 
Because we as Christians would step up. We would adopt all those unwanted babies. Wouldn't we? Come on. But come on, let's put our amen where our profession is. Come on. Amen. We would. We'd be taking them in. Yes, we would. So, well, there are a lot of reasons why I can't. It's money or it's age or it's whatever. No. No. It has nothing to do with that. Life is precious. Now, think about this. Think about this. I've been saved, and I've, by the new birth, become a part of the family of God. And by the process of adoption, which is on top of that, I have all these, these inheritance rights from the Lord. How important is that? Do you know to what lengths God has gone to make me His child? Do you know what He has done to bring you into the family? He loves us so much. What a great God we have that He lifts us up out of the dust. He lifts us up. He raises us up out of the dunghill. And He makes us to walk with and to be with princes, with royalty, and treat us because we are, in fact, spiritual royalty. We're children of God. I want you to turn with me to the text that's on the front of the bulletin, which is 1 Peter chapter 2. By the way, that's where Charles Haddon Spurgeon launched his preaching career. He was on his way. He was on his way out into the country, riding with a friend. And the friend said to him, uh, Charles, uh, I'm praying for you as you preach today. Charles had never preached. He says, I, I can't preach. I've never preached. And the man said, well, if you don't preach, there won't be any preaching today. So Charles Haddon Spurgeon took this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and preached it. And that launched the career of the greatest pulpiteer of the 1800s. He just stepped out in faith. And I do believe what the Bible says. The Bible says there are, there are privileges that we have and opportunities that we have that we need to take advantage of. We need to step out. You know, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Absolutely. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, underline that, a royal priesthood, underline that, and holy nation, underline that, a peculiar people, underline that, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now, I've preached on this numerous times. You probably have some of my notes. But it goes on to say, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Now, why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because in the book of Exodus, God actually wanted His Old Testament people to be a kingdom of priests. Turn to Exodus chapter 19. We'll get back to 1 Peter in just a moment. It says in Exodus 19, 6, And ye shall be unto me a what? kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Wow! Think about that. That was God's plan for the Old Testament covenant people, Israel, but they didn't fulfill it. And so now in the New Covenant, the Lord is saying through the inspired writing of the Apostle Peter that we are that chosen generation. Which group? Spiritual royalty. Uh, those that have been saved. Those that have called on the name of the Lord Jesus. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That's a special people. That ye should show forth the praises of Him. That's our purpose. That we should show forth, show forth, demonstrate who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. In case you didn't get it, folks, God didn't just save us to go to heaven. He saved us 
to get out of the darkness. He saved us to, to get out and tell people and show them the light. We weren't a people. We had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained what? Mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, mark it down, pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation, that means your lifestyle, your conduct, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. When they stand in judgment, they'll say, you know, I saw that person living right, and that caused me to seek and, and to desire salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is not the same Peter when he's writing. He's not the same as he was when he stood by the fire and warmed his hands and denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. While he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he gave himself totally and completely to the ministry. He preached on the day of Pentecost. He wasn't always perfect, but he did serve. He had a servant's heart. Praise the Lord for that. He experienced some persecution and uh, we are told by tradition that he died a martyr's death. The Christians to whom he is writing are experiencing a fiery trial. There are people, there are people who are coming to know Jesus Christ, but he's telling them how it's going to be. There was a general dislike arising in the Roman Empire against Christians, and they would, they would die in wholesale numbers uh, as uh, spectacles in the arena. And he's saying to them, this is what you're going to face. This is it. This is it. But we know that I can call on the Lord anytime. I can come to Him. I can pray. And when I'm going through problems, He gives me guidance and direction and He gives me comfort. He gives me protection when I need it. And if whatever I'm experiencing, He'll give me grace to go through it. And even if I die being persecuted, if I become a martyr, He'll give me grace to go on home. What a, what a way to go. What a way to go. I am not going to stand here today and tell you that you are going to be exempt from all problems because you've received Jesus. Believing on Jesus Christ is not going to guarantee you no persecution. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to keep you from problems in your life. You're still going to have those, but now you've got Jesus, and He walks with me, and He talks with me, takes me through. I've got my Father. I can go to my Father directly through Jesus Christ. I can lay out my burden and even tell Him my complaints. And guess what? He won't strike me dead just because I'm telling Him like I feel Him. Man, that's amazing. I've been adopted. I'm a child of the King. I want you to think about this. Think about it. If we got the news today, Tony Evans said this, we got the news today that Bill Gates had adopted one child, maybe out of total poverty in some third world country. That would be staggering news. If, if showing his compassion, President Biden were today to adopt a third world child, bring him into the White House to live in that luxury. That would be an amazing thing, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But how much more amazing is it that the God of creation, of perfection, of sinlessness, of righteousness, of holiness, has reached down to sinful creatures such as we are in far worse than poverty, far worse than poverty, in our sinfulness, in our lostness, in our depravity. And He has lifted us up and He's cleaned us off. He's got that dust and that dung off of us. He's cleaned us off and He set us with princes and said, you're royalty. Think about that. Think about that. I'm a child of the King. What privileges come with it? Here they are. We've been begotten by Jesus Christ into a lively hope, it says in the first chapter of 1 Peter. We have in reserve an incorruptible inheritance 
also says that in chapter 1. It says in chapter 1, we are kept by the power of God. We don't have to worry about losing it. Also, it says in the first chapter, we have uh, been purified and we have been made fit to stand with Christ Himself. We have salvation of our souls. We have a gospel that even angels desire to look into. We have a great hope. We have redemption through His blood. We are born again by His Word. All of that just in the first chapter of 1 Peter. In the second chapter, we are not confounded or ashamed. We are built up a spiritual house. We're a chosen people. We have a crown of glory. Think about that. All those are privileges. I'm royalty, and that's what he says I've got. I've got it right now. God wanted Israel to become a kingdom of priests and show forth his praises, but they didn't do that. That's what we're supposed to do. Here we are, coming out of darkness, into light. We're showing the world. We're praising the Lord. We're saying, God did that. To show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. As citizens, we are a chosen generation. That shows, number one, the grace of God. The grace of God. A chosen generation. We didn't choose Him, He chose us. Number two, we're a holy nation. That shows our exclusive belonging to God. So, we're, we're His kids. We're His kids by grace. We're His kids by design. We're His kids by a, a purpose that He's given it. We are a people of God. We are the peculiar people. His and nobody else's. We belong to the King. We're a child of His love, as the song says. So let me give you the duties of a Christian very quickly. Here it is. We're pilgrims. You say, wait a minute, I thought that was an identification. No, pilgrims is also what we do. We're on a pilgrimage. It gets so tiring. It gets so, so difficult. I'm so weary. Keep going. Now let me use it this way. I'm a pilgrim, but I need to pilgrim on. I'm a sojourner, but I need to sojourn on. I need to keep on going in an imperfect situation. This world is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. Don't get your roots down. Don't get too attached to things and what's going on here. Don't, don't go after all the fads and the fashions of the day because they're not going to last. They're all going to burn. Don't get your roots down here because our citizenship is in heaven. So our first duty, our first responsibility is to never forget where we came from and where we're headed, but we're not where we were and we're not where we're going in the future, but we're in the midst of being a pilgrim. I am pilgriming on a pilgrimage you are, and so am I. That's number one. Number two, we're part of God's plan. Part of God's plan. All through this book of 1 Peter, as I read it, I see God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And you, you just wonder, well, what's, God, what, what's my part in the plan? What do I have to do? God doesn't expect me to think any part of it up. I don't have to figure it out by logic. I don't have to figure it out by my vast intellect. Neither do you. We don't have to figure out God's plan. Not at all. And we don't even have to say, I, me, 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 call on me. I got an idea. Me, 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 call on me. I got an idea. Don't have to do that. You know what we have to do? Hear my Lord. Send me. Do what you want with me. By life or by death. However you want me, Lord. I'm a pilgrim and I'm part of God's plan, not my plan. Not my plan. Take your plan and chuck it 
and let God write your plan. Amen. Amen. Number three, this is important. Put it down. That we may please Him, like Paul says, who called us to be a soldier. Please Him. So we're a pilgrim. We're in God's plan. We're here for one purpose, to please Him. I want to please my wife. Outside of the Lord, I'd rather please her than you. Are you listening to me? Don't be offended. That's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it, Brother Harps? Amen. Outside of the Lord, I want to please her more than anybody else. Understood. But I don't want to please her more than I want to please God. That's where we draw the line. She knows that. We've been living that way long years. <laughs> Many years. Amen. And just as happy as can be. All right. So, are you getting what I'm about to say? The person who wants to please everybody is not going to please everybody. Probably won't please anybody. Live to please the Lord. And then in proper order of priorities, please others, but please the Lord. Please Him totally. Please Him completely. Please Him all the time. That will help you. That's number three. The duties of a Christian to be a pilgrim. We're pilgriming. We're on a pilgrimage. All right? We're, we're not stuck in any one spot. We're moving forward. We're going forward. No matter if it hurts, it's difficult, it's hard. People fail. People drop out. You keep going. You keep going. You keep going. You're in God's plan. You don't write the plan. You submit to the plan. Number three, you please the Lord. We don't worry about pleasing others. We please the Lord. Number four, this is it, that you might show forth His praises. Whew. Show forth His praises. So who is royalty? That little kid in the Philippines? That lady on the streets making tortillas in Baja, Mexico? If they know Jesus, they're royalty. The person who's sitting today in Central Baptist Church, Woodbridge, Virginia. The person who is watching by YouTube or Facebook now or in the future, if they know Jesus, they are royalty. It's an unusual kind of royalty. We're pilgrim royalty. We're following the plan of God. We're not making our own. We're pleasing the Lord and not ourselves. We're praising Him and not ourselves. That's what's important. That's what we've got to remember. Because Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red, tan, yellow, black, and white. All are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And He loves you, my friend, more than I could tell you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart today. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to me today. God bless you. God bless you. In just a moment, we're going to extend the invitation for folks to come. If God's laid a burden on your heart to pray for somebody or for uh, maybe a family or, or maybe about some ministry He's laid something on your heart. Are you praying about some issue in your life? You're seeking God's guidance and direction. You can come and pray. And if you have been saved and you want to be baptized or join the church, I want you to come and tell me that. But if you've not been saved, right now is your time. I want you to, just to give me your undivided attention. Please, no distractions. If you've never received Christ as your Savior or you're not sure you're going to heaven, right now will you pray from your heart something like this. Pray to God and mean it. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. 
I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Like a blind man, I wonder so long.